Welcome back to the Tickle the Twine podcast. I'm your host, Brooks Oman, um, and we're about uh, almost two weeks into the NBA season now, and while well, it's kind of uh, too hard to take too much, get too deep of an uh, analysis into some of the numbers that we're seeing and some of the trends um, because of the small sample size, um, there's still plenty to talk about. Uh, I feel like the NBA has never been more exciting than it has been um, now. You know, everyone talks about how, oh, well, the... Um, the Warriors are still going to win, like, that, that takes out some of the excitement, and while the Warriors are the best team and have looked like the best team so far this season, I don't think that uh, that takes away from the excitement, at least of the regular season. We still get good games on a nightly basis. Um, we've had some great games. We've had a lot of offense so far, If you love, so if you love scoring, the NBA's been, been for you, but, I mean, we got craziness going on. We've already had already had a fight we've got some smack talk going on we've got uh, Trey Young dapping up Wes Matthews after Wes Matthews got in his face before some fr- uh, free throw shots um, we've got the, the NBA has got everything we got guys stepping up to put up MVP caliber performances we got great teams from last year struggling we got surprise teams and uh, late breaking news um, before right before start of recording today is we already have our first coach fired um, so we've got that as well, so there's no no lack of substance and stuff to talk about uh, so far this season. So um, to jump right in, um, I got uh, we're going to talk about uh, two teams two teams early early season dominance so far this season, uh, two surprise teams struggling so far this season, and then obviously uh, going to finish up the podcast with uh, the late edition talk talk over the Tyron Lue news. Um, he's been relieved of his duties this morning by the Cavaliers. And so that's definitely worth talking about, not just because of the effect that'll have on the uh, have on the Cavs, but kind of more uh, institutional and organizational um, information that kind of provides and kind of like get into some of the chaos that we've got um, institutionally for the Cavs. But uh, without further ado, we'll start with two of the dominant teams, and that's been Toronto and the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, they've both been pretty dominant so far. Uh, we're going to start with Toronto. Toronto is 6-0 and uh, so far this season. They've, they've got the 6th-ranked offense, the 10th-ranked defense. And they've just kind of been the cream of the Eastern Conference. I've got to eat some crow here in the preview podcast. I was a little down on Toronto. I wasn't sure that the Kawhi was going to be healthy. I wasn't sure how that was all going to work together. But so far, Kawhi has been relatively healthy. He looks almost like his normal self. He has had a game where he took off to rest. Um, he's had some highlight plays, uh, specifically the no-look steal from the other night, which, you know, is kind of crazy when you think about it. I mean, yeah, he probably just kind of read the cut and just decided to dive and take a chance, but it's still in- insane that he was able to come up with that steal. On top of the Kawhi, Kawhi the rest of the roster has looked really good. They're kind of just picking up from where they left off last year. You've got um, everyone looking good. Uh, Danny Green looks to be kind of a perfect fit um, into what they want to do. Kyle Lowry has looked good. Um, a lot of their ben- the, their bench mob has has performed well as well, and um, it looks like they got the better side of the Kawhi deal in sending out Jakob Pertl and keeping Pascal Siakam. Uh, Siakam kind of looks like the prototypical uh, new big man, modern big man that NBA teams are kind of going for. Um, uh, going forward, he can he can switch. He can guard multiple positions. He's he's athletic. He's long. He kind of can do whatever they need. He's got a little bit of an outside shot. So that's good. That that's been huge for them as well. Um, and it, you know they've just kind of been dominant all over the Eastern Conference. And uh, I think a big part of it, and, and something that's worth talking about, is kind of the Nick Nurse coming in and being the head coach. And what I really love about what Nick Nurse has been doing is that he. He seems committed to just being willing to experiment. Uh, what lineups he puts out there, he's he's had 
it's like uh, he's had like three different starting lineups in six games. He kind of waffles between um, who will start next to Pascal Siakam, whether it be Serge Ibaka or Jonas Valanciunas. Um, the the um, lineups with Serge and Pascal have been really really good um, defensively and offensively. They have um, not been great rebounding wise, but that that was to be expected given Serge's weaknesses rebounding. But I mean. The Toronto is just kind of loaded with a ton of guys who can do a ton of different things. You got guys like you know, we already mentioned Danny Green, but you also have DeLon Wright, and you got Fred Van Fleet and OG Ananobi coming off the bench, and they're very switchy. They can defend multiple positions. They can kind of do whatever's needed defensively. They've got guys to plug in on any given night to kind of take care of um, whoever they're facing on the other end of the floor. That that's a big deal. I mean, I think it's just kind of given them this, this, this super versatility and uh, to just attack anyone any way they need to. And when you have a guy, guys like Lowry and uh, Kawhi to kind of um, set up your offense and kind of get your offense going and just kind of drive your offense forward even, uh, and, and, then, and then letting the rest of the team play defense behind them, uh, you find yourself in a really good position. And, and that's what we see with the Raptors as being as dominant as they have been uh, so far this season. Um, I haven't... Um, gotten to watch as much of them as I would have liked, just kind of how it happens, like what games I can watch on a nightly basis, and how much I can how much I can get to with them. But I've been really impressed with what I've seen from them. Um, like I said, I I was very down on them in the preview, and that I thought you know that the Boston, Philly, all those Toronto, um, they were all going to kind of just be fighting for the same same caliber number of wins. Milwaukee was going to be in that group as well, and Milwaukee has looked really good. Uh, so far this season, and I, I expect them to keep it up. Uh, Giannis is being MVP level, but I definitely didn't think Toronto would just kind of perform as just like a step above everyone as they have ended up performing uh, so far this season. Um, and so hopefully they keep it up. Um, I guess there's always that thing. It's like, oh, well, Toronto's a regular season team. Are they going to be a postseason team now that they have Kawhi? How do we know? Um, it's going to be hard to find out, but yeah, they're shooting really well. Um, the fourth in effective field goal percentage, fourth in defensive effective field goal percentage. So keeping um, teams teams from shooting it as well while they pretty, shoot it pretty well. Um, so so, so uh, I just kind of like everything that we're seeing from them, and I hope hopefully they're going to continue to play well um, and just kind of be this level of the Eastern Conference. But it's going to be interesting as we kind of get into the grind of the season if they if they keep this up. Um, and I I think they I think uh, they they likely will just because of the versatility that they can throw out there. Every little, every little thing that they can do to kind of mix up other teams and keep other teams um, guessing has been will be huge for them now and throughout the season. So definitely worth turning tuning into Toronto games if you haven't and and, and paying attention to them. Uh, the next team uh, that's been pretty dominant so far this year is the Pelicans. Um, they were undefeated until last night when Anthony Davis sat out and they did lose. Uh, last night to the Jazz, the plucky Jazz as always, but uh, the Pelicans have been great. Um, they've mainly been kind of driven by AD, as we saw last night. They kind of they they did not look as good. They kind of looked a little lost without AD. Just kind of his dominant performance. I mean, he's been putting AD's averaging 27 points, 13 uh, rebounds, nearly five assists, two and a half steals, and 3.8 blocks per game, and it's just doing it all over the floor. Um, he's been crazy effect effective, crazy efficient for him so far. But I think what's really important to talk about with AD, and this goes kind of beyond the stats, is just kind of we, we're seeing an evolution in his game. You know, we heard him talk about how he, he he realized he had to go Russell Westbrook mode and just be able to take over and do everything and be everything to their team when needed. 
and we're definitely seeing that from him but on top of that what we're seeing is him just kind of break out new moves i mean he's always been a great great defender but great around the block great near the basket great catching lobs he's got he's got a little bit of a shooting game that he's, he's he's spreading out slowly and slowly more and more to the three-point line but on top of that what we've seen from him is put together these dribble move sets you know in the past we've seen at talk about AD's talked about developing his game and one thing that he says is that he's we've heard from him and from coaches is that getting him to put multiple move sets together has been hard for him to just kind of combo uh, ch chain moves you know go behind the back through the legs and and, and has these stutter stab all that stuff in and out and, and kind of chain moves together to get by his defender where he's, he's been so used to only having to do maybe one move and then use his length and, and his, his size and speed to get by guys and get a shot but now what we're seeing today uh, this season is him get, collecting the ball like near the three-point line or, or at the three-point line whether it's off a of pick and pop or pick and roll or just kind of in a trail situation and then immediately go into breaking down his guy bust out a couple moves beat his man and get an easy layup get an easy dunk um, pull help over and, and, and make a solid pass and, and that's kind of like the next step evolution in your game you know when we talk about why Giannis can be so good it's because he's got 80 size but he's already got guard skills and he's just got to get that shot well it, given 80's got that size if 80's now developing these guard like skills who uh, the rest of the league has, is, is in real trouble with him and I think that's what the, the funnest thing about watching um, Anthony Davis has been is this development of these guard skills and being able to use them consistently um, to get to the basket, get points, get easy buckets, and just kind of show how, how much he's grown his game and, and kind of putting his mark on the league. I think um, he's ready to, he's definitely stepped up into that top tier, um, and, and he's worth, um, you know, it's 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 going to be a fun season watching kind of him and Giannis as they both, they both seem to be taking that leap and being like, all right, well, we know like the top is like LeBron and KD and, and Steph and, you know, Kawhi's up there too when he's not injured and James Harden. It's like, well, we want to be up there. We're both top five players and we're going to, we're going to show that to you this season. And they, they both certainly have. Um, another thing I really have liked uh, about the Pelicans, this is something I talked about in the Western Conference preview is the AD, uh, AD, uh, Nicola Mertic, Julius Randle, kind of three-headed monster. Um, a lot of I saw a lot of preview stuff. People were talking about, oh, you can't play these three together. Why did you sign them all? And I think, I think the the, the Pelicans made a pretty smart move in saying, like, well, we're not going to play them all together. Obviously, we're going to play two of them together at almost at almost all times on the court, basically. And with that, when you do that, it just gives you this multiple different looks and different attacks and you know Miritic has been on fire he's had a couple 30 point games he's just knocking him down from three Randall's got that rip and run ability he's aggressive he's a big body he can get to the basket easily and AD can do a little bit of all of it and and it's and this is exactly what kind of what I expected to see from them um, when I looked at the roster in the offseason it's just you've got these three guys they've all got pretty good they've all got very good skill sets and they all do something a little bit different from each other but they all can complement each other you know it's not like two of them are trying to do the exact same thing at the same time no they're all doing slightly different things and because of that they can work well together and they can play off each other extremely well and we're seeing them do that i mean the pelicans have the number one offense in the league so far which is definitely something that you know i expected them to be good but that's still that surprises me a little bit to, to just see them be as good as they as good as they have been and so uh with that in mind um you know uh, turn to a Pelicans game and watch these guys. Watch the interplay between the two, between whichever two of them is on the floor together, and how that works with the rest of the rest of the team. And you know, uh, we're gonna. T I've talked a ton about uh, the Pelicans bigs and how good they've been and how how good I expect them to continue to be. But like, don't can't take away anything from Drew Holiday and the and the rest of the Pelicans team. I mean, the strength is their bigs, but Drew Holiday's been incredible too. Great defender, great offensive player. He he had a good. 
um, shot the other night uh, to take the lead against the Nets, I think, um, in a weird ending to that game, uh, for sure, um, with the technical foul during a timeout. Very interesting, but um, that was just a, sh- a show of them just kind of pulling it out, gut check, pulling it out, and oh, even more impressive was the end, was, you know, the Nets had two seconds, and, and uh, they had called a timeout and had a chance to win the game, and Anthony Davis smartly got put to guard the inbounder and, and, and swiped that ball away, tipped it away, and ended up stealing it, and just, just to seal the game, and that's you know, uh, that's when length plays a factor. So, yeah, Pelicans have been really good. Uh, they're kind of building off what they did last year in the playoffs as obviously they surprised everybody, including me, by sweeping um, the Blazers in the first round of the playoffs and just kind of looking dominant. And they, they continue to play really well and look dom- dominant. And they look like that uh, they don't want to be one of the ones to lose their playoff spot. They want to kind of they want to fight and stay in the playoffs. And. Uh, before we move on uh, to the uh, struggles of two more teams, uh, I just kind of want to give a shout out uh, to Steph. Um, uh, Steph Curry's been playing incredible. Um, obviously, Steph is a league pass watch, turn the game on when Steph's playing well, but I think what we're seeing from Steph is kind of a resurgence of saying, like, you know, he won his two MVPs. He didn't didn't, didn't win it the last two years, though, but he did win two MVPs, and everyone, and he's, he's been incredible, and everyone knows this, but kind of he's kind of like started to slip back in many people's minds you know he's not being mentioned as often at the top with LeBron and KD and I I think he knows that and it seems like Steph is on a mission I've heard that he really wants to win that third MVP and just kind of reach that upper echelon and and we've we've seen him push to it the other night where he had 51 points in three quarters and just kind of looked I mean he looked this is this is why he's the best shooter of, the, of all time. It's like when you watch him play like that, you're just like every time the ball leaves his hands, I expect it to go in. I don't him to ever. I don't expect him to ever miss a shot. He's pulling up from 40 feet and splashing them, no rim, no nothing. It's it's just an incredible uh, show to watch. And if you're not turning on turning on uh, Warriors games, especially when Steph's get, get is getting hot. Uh, you're doing yourself a uh, a disservice. Even if you hate the Warriors or think they ruined the league. Uh, you gotta you gotta take advantage of watching Steph while we have him. Just like even if you hate LeBron, you gotta take advantage and watch him while we've got him because we're not gonna have him for too much too much longer. And once he's gone, he's gone, and it's 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 rare that we'll it's li- likely pretty rare that we'll see another guy um, at that level. So, transitioning on, um, we've got two um, solid uh, Western Conference teams from last year that that both uh, seem to be struggling pretty hard hard so far this season. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder are the are uh, winless. The only other winless team is the Cleveland Cavs, and the Houston Rockets are one and four. Um, their only win uh, came against the Lakers in that fight game. But uh, starting with the Thunder, uh, the Thunder have just kind of they have, they've looked off. I mean, they've obviously been plagued by injuries. Uh, Westbrook missed a couple games um, to start the season, and uh, as well as they still don't have Andre Roberson. He'll likely be out a couple more months. I think that's the big big loss for them. Um, while obviously Westbrook is kind of the engine behind the Thunder, and we know how much that Westbrook adds to their team. I think not having Roberson has been really tough for them to deal with. Obviously, we've seen that their defense, their defense hasn't been that bad. Their defense is only 13th, 108.5 defensive rating according to Cleaning the Glass. They do have the 30th ranked offense, so they, they're still trying to figure, figure everything out on offense. But I think um, what you do have... Uh, what you do have happening with the defense is that when Roberson is not out there, that's, that puts Paul George on the best player, and Paul George is perfectly capable of handling the best player on the opposing team. But with that, by moving him on to the best player, he doesn't get to play this like safety off-ball role that we've seen him kind of excel at so well. 
um, when Rob Roberson's been on the floor for the Thunder, and um, that, and because of that, you you don't have you have less transition opportunities because uh, George can't kind of wreak havoc in the passing lanes, get steals, uh, rip and run off rebounds because he's got to be locked tight to to the best player on the other team, and I think that's having a negative consequence on both their on both their offense and defense, and so. Um, They've kind of been forced to play deeper into their bench because of these injuries. We see Hamadou Diallo get more minutes than expected. Um, they don't give as many minutes as I would hope to um, Alex Abrinas. He looks pretty good. He hits shots when he does. He is a little weak on the defensive end. Um, so it's kind of understandable that they might uh, be more hesitant to play Abrinas. But when they do dig into their bench, they're not. Um, it, it's not coming up well for them. You kind of can still see that Westbrook and Schroeder are figuring out when they're both on the floor, and and, and they're going and they're going from there. But they're kind of at the bottom of the conference. Um, they're you know they're, they're winless. They seem to be worried. I would say Billy Donovan was would probably be on um, fire watch, but um, Sam Presti might have a little bit more patience. He might understand that they probably do need to feel it out a little bit and kind of get going. But once they get revved up. We know they have the ability and the and the and the guys to kind of put it on teams and, and put them in tough positions and win a lot of games. Um, but they're they're gonna have to figure it out going forward. And they're they're definitely not uh, not there yet. But hopefully they kind of can get it back on track. I would say that um, I'm significantly less worried about the Thunder because I just had lower expectations for them than I am about the Rockets. I did. Um, I did, you know, Western Conference preview kind of picked the Rockets to go under. I didn't. I don't expect them to win as many games. I, I certainly don't expect them to. Didn't expect them to win their 65 games like they did last year, and I also didn't expect them to get into the high 50s this year. I just thought that regression of some kind was coming. I thought the losses of Lucas Mbamute and Trevor Ariza were going to be felt and kind of be really, really tough for them to deal with. And hey, um, so far it kind of looks like I was. I was a little bit right. You know, obviously early in the season, you know, they only played five games. Everything could change, you know. They could win three straight games in the next next week, and then oh, they're five hundred again. And this is a, a worthwhile, a worthless narrative. So I don't want to kind of hammer too hard and like, oh, I'm right, told you so, because that's probably that, that's not at all probably how this is going to play out. They're still going to be a really good team. They've got a lot of really good players, but we have seen them struggle. They do have injuries of their own, you know. In the deal with the Suns, they got back Brandon Knight, and Marquise Chris, but neither of those guys have played yet due to injury. Um, James Harden recently got injured. And he's dealing with that, and then Chris Paul is also suspended for his role in the fight with the Lakers, and the whole Rondo spitting on him controversy. But I think what we've really seen for um, the Rockets, what's really um, been their kind of their Achilles heel this year, is their defense is not what it was last year. Obviously, the old coach um, is no longer with them. Um, that was the mastermind of their switching defense, and. Um, with Trevor Reza and Luke Richard gone, you had two guys who were defensive-minded players who were committed to the switching and, and, and making it work and doing everything they could uh, to making to make the switching switching defense as, as, as good as possible. And and with them gone, we're kind of seeing them struggle. You know, their replacements are Camillo Anthony, an injured, not 100% James Ennis, and Michael Carter-Williams. And those guys have not kind of shown up to snuff uh, for them. The Rockets have kind of struggled basically all over the floor um, defensively. They're not uh, performing well. Their defense is 27th, uh, 116.4 um, uh, points per 100 possessions, which is pretty bad. Not what you want to see from your defense early on in the season. Uh, they're giving up a nearly 55% effective field goal percentages, percentage for other teams. Other teams are getting to the foul line pretty often. Um, all these things are not what you want to see. Uh, 
the team is uh, last, second to last in the league in frequency of shots at the rim and rim shooting percentages. Other teams are shooting nearly 72% at the rim against them, um, which is not good. Teams are also shooting pretty well from the corner on them. Uh, but like I said, like we've talked about um, ad nauseum on here, uh, I felt like three-point percentage is, is more random. It's all about the frequency, and they are, they are defensively keeping teams from taking as many threes. Um, it, so that's good, but defense is struggling when you watch them and this, the hyper-switching scheme, there's mismatches almost everywhere. There's just not, the communication is not there like it was last season, and not that, that has a lot to do with Trevor Ariza. He was really big in the communication department, and what we have seen a lot of is anytime Carmelo Anthony's out there and he gets, he gets, he's getting thrown into pick and rolls, teams are attacking him, and when they get a switch, they're attacking that switch. Whoever Carmelo gets put on, they're, they're having that guy go after him. And it's working one of their advantage. Carmelo was really bad defensively for the Thunder last season. He's been pretty bad um, defensively for the Rockets so far this season. And this is a pretty um, this is a pretty uh, bad struggle for them. You know, their their defense um, being as good as it was is kind of what propelled them t to the top of the league last year. What gave them a chance against the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, and to see it kind of fall by the wayside. Uh, so early in the season is, is extremely worrisome because they've got to they've got to figure out a way to get this back on track and it looks like they're already um, taking steps to do that and Mike D'Antoni has said that they're going to go back to the drawing board with the defense um, kind of figure out what system is best um, if the switching is not going to work what should they switch to to make um, make it better how should they change up their their uh, pick and roll defense in order to uh, to make it work better for them. Um, and just kind of be more successful um, all over the floor defensively, and I think I think it's going to be interesting to watch and see how they they adjust. You know, you obviously they still got Harden, they still got Paul, they still got Clint Capella, they still got the base of a, of a strong team there, but they're going to have to kind of figure out what's best on the defensive end, as you know we're seeing them not be able to make it work um, with the switching. Another thing, um, and doing prep for this podcast that I that I I did not realize um, that is surprising is their offense has also been really bad. You know, they had the number one offense. Last season, they also had the number one offensive free throw rate last season. Well, so far this year, uh, they had the 24th offense, so almost bottom five, and they also have this, uh, the third worst free throw rate for a team that is built around James Harden isolating, getting to the rim, and getting getting to the line. Uh, to have the 28th free throw rate is extremely worrisome. Now, that just might be a bad whistle in the early games. They just might not be able to get their spots gone. Obviously, with Harden injured, that probably won't improve until he gets back on the floor, but that is, that is almost more worrisome than their defense if their offense just can't get going um they have that they have that isolation heavy based offense uh, they, they they focus a lot on harden being effective in his game and if harden is, is anywhere not as effective as he was last year we're going to see the severe regression that is something i worried about he harden has seemed to be playing the last couple of years to win uh an mvp and just kind of prove how good he is um and and we'll, we will see if that uh, kind of regresses a little bit um, because he's accomplished that and, and, and how that changes for them going forward. So that's some, definitely something to watch for. I was, I was not surprised, even watching them, to see that their offense had fallen as bad as it had. Um, and I guess when your defense is kind of more porous, it's hard to bring it up. Uh, offensively, the other team is, is, is getting easy buckets and kind of demoralizing you a little bit. And, and that can play a, a, a part and be a, be a factor in this as well. So that's, that's important to, to note and kind of be on the lookout for. Um, an important um, kind of story coming out of this um, towards the end of, of, of the week was that the, the Rockets have re-engaged the Timberwolves on a Jimmy Butler deal. Um, they've reportedly offering them four first-round picks with uh, light protection, and so 
Um, the four first round picks is interesting because the NBA has two rules in place that makes that hard. Uh, first, you cannot trade picks in back-to-back -back seasons. So if you trade your pick for this year, 2019, you cannot also trade your pick in next year for 2020, which is interesting. But they also have a rule that you cannot trade picks more than seven years out. So if you're going to trade... So considering this is the 18-19 season, you can't trade a pick further out than like 25-26, I would think. That's seven years um, from 19, so you wouldn't want to do that. And, and the NBA has a rule against that so that you don't uh, teams don't mortgage their future too badly. Um, uh, so we've heard that they've kind of made this offer. Um, the Timberwolves apparently haven't uh, reportedly uh, haven't really moved on it quite yet. They've looked looks like they're probably re-engaging other teams to try and induce a bidding war. Miami seems to be being being brought back in the fold uh, when it comes to the trade. Um, obviously, the Rockets would also have to include players to make this work. And I've heard the rumblings, the reporting is that Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris might be the two players to be included. Um, I think that'll be a hard line to move the Timberwolves on, just because in that situation they're not getting. They're actually getting two injured players. Um, they're not getting a, t a player that can help them immediately. They're not getting anyone that can replace what they're going to lose with Jimmy Butler. And while um, Timberwolves have their own organizational chaos going on, I think Tibbs wants to win now. The owner, Glenn Taylor, after last season's playoff season, probably doesn't want to just fall all the way back to the bottom of the Western Conference again. And so not getting a solid player to replace Jimmy Butler, you know, whether it be Eric Gordon or P.J. Tucker or something like that, like a solid role guy, um, is certainly something going to be a hard sell. I think they're going to go after better players. They're going to want somebody to come back that can help them win and win now. Um, and that's hard for Houston, obviously, because they're, they're making this deal to compete for the championship. And they, if they give away any of too many of their key pieces, then while, yeah, you now you have Butler, Paul, Harden, and Capella, you don't really have a bench. And Butler, Harden, uh, Paul, and Capella are really, really good, but they don't really necessarily match up with, like, the fourth the the Golden State has um, and so then you're in trouble in trouble anyway and you've also sold out your bench and your rotation guys that kind of are key to making it work and making you survive when the stars are off the floor um, so it'll be interesting to see how these how this trade uh, continues um, we've seen it we've obviously seen multi multi first round picks trade uh, backfire on teams before as the Nets did something similar with the Celtics they sent away a ton of first round picks in order to get aging Pierce, aging Garnett, and just kind of make a finals run, what ended up happening is they didn't work that good, uh, or at least they were okay for a couple years, competed in the playoffs for a couple years, and then they got terrible, and those picks turned into a gold mine for the Celtics, who are still reaping the rewards um, from that deal, and so I think Houston has to keep that in mind. Um, Daryl Morey is, is, a, is a great GM, very smart. I don't think he's going to put himself in a situation where he gets trapped. And, and, and is in uh, the same spot that the Nets were. Um, but the Timberwolves also have to keep in mind that if Houston does this and they continually compete for years, which ha Morey has shown the ability to compete even with not great rosters, um, then you're going to be looking at four first-round picks and the, you know, just outside the lottery is the best the pick's going to be. And then at that point, is that worth it? I mean, you can still get good players there, but that obviously doesn't have the sell in the pull that... Um, four first-round picks in the lottery or or four first-round picks with a couple in the lottery do in, in, that, in that kind of situation. So we'll see how this plays out. Um, it, it obviously gets weirder and weirder the more that Jimmy Butler is just kind of on the trade block but not traded, and so we'll have to see how that continues um, to play out. And I'm excited. Um, I think he'll definitely get moved sooner rather than later at this point. Now that the talks are being reignited, it's just where he goes.
and what the deal is for and obviously we'll we'll have your coverage here whether it be a post or an emergency pod as soon as that trade is made so uh proceeding to our final topic of the week we've got the late breaking news uh this literally broke right before i was about to hit the record button and made me uh pause recording for a couple for for about an hour or so so that i could uh, make sure everything was researched and i was ready to go to talk about this but uh the Cavs relieved tyron Lou of his head coaching duties this morning it also looks like they also fired damian jones and relieved him of his coaching duties as well they promoted larry drew to interim coach um with the possibility to earn a long-term deal but it's reported that larry drew wants a long-term commitment sooner rather than later uh, Tyron Lue has $15 million left on his contract as of now, so that's probably going to be a pretty big buyout for the Cavs. The Cavs have started pretty dismally uh, so far this season after losing LeBron in the offseason. They have the second-worst defense in the league so far. Their offense is, on, is 22nd. Um, they're only above average in one of the four factors numbers, and that's offensive rebound percentage, where they are, in fact, third, grabbing about 32% of their offensive rebounds. So that's pretty good, but that's about the only bright spot so far for the Cavs. You know, the loss of LeBron has kind of left left them kind of in this situation where they, you know, they've got a lot of rural guys who fit really well next to LeBron who can't really do much else. Um, they've got a, a couple interesting young players in Colin Sexton who they drafted and Chetty Osman. But then you just got a mix of aging veterans and just kind of mid, mid-level guys who just like... They're not they're not starters, but they're starting and they're being forced into starters minutes. Or they're not stars and they're being forced into producing like stars. And you you still do have Kevin Love who has looked good um, so far this season, but um, it we're not seeing him being able to bank as this sole star who can just kind of push your team towards the playoffs like he was able to. Um, I mean, at, at times and in, in, in when Kevin Love was in Minnesota and younger, he looked capable of getting into the playoffs, but he never actually got them to the playoffs. So that's important to note. Um, as we look over how this team is doing. Um, it seems like I've seen some tweets and some reporting that the players are extremely frustrated with this move. Kevin Love expressed his frustrated, frustration on Instagram, and I think we'll see a lot of that. Uh, Lou was known as the guy who connected with the players and worked really well with them and, and had their respect, and, and, and they really believed him, believed in him. It's important to note uh, that this uh, firing and then bringing on Harry, Larry Drew is makes Drew the sixth coach in 13 seasons for the Cavs so that's a coaching change of about every 2.2 years um in addition over this time Gilbert has yet to give a GM a second contract and so kind of what this what this um encapsulates is that that besides despite having LeBron and have all the success that he's brought them in a championship and multiple finals appearances um with LeBron on the team the Cavs have been a very unstable and disorganized and kind of chaotic organization for a long time um, I've, I've talked about, I've tweeted about, and it's it's becoming more and more known now that one of the greatest competitive advantages you can have in the NBA is, is ownership, and the Cavs do not have a good owner. Um, uh, Dan Gilbert is not a great owner. He's, he seems to waffle in between things. He's indecisive. He's hot-headed. Um, he's written very frustrating letters about LeBron, um, like right after LeBron left and all this kind of stuff. And so what you have here is a situation where he, you know, it's, they lost their first six games. He's frustrated to start the season. He's like, oh, we got to make a change. He got rid of Tyron Lue. Um, while I'm no fan of Lue, you would expect him to get more than six games to try and reshape this team, let him get to the get to December, let them maybe make a trade or two and kind of reshuffle the team and try to make them more competitive. If that is the goal, if the goal is tanking, it's an entirely different thought process. But 
I was surprised to see Lou get fired as fast as he did. Um, I would I would have thought he would have gotten, like I said, a more of a chance to kind of reshape this team and figure it out. I don't think Lou is a great coach, though. I didn't think um, that the finals appearances were as much on Lou as they were on LeBron, just being absolutely absolutely amazing. And I, I still I still kind of believe that, and and it, it's hard to see that. I think Lou will obviously get a second chance. The NBA loves to recycle guys, give everybody second chances, and so he'll probably find find a spot with another team sooner rather than later but it, this is interesting it um the Cavs are a mess um I'm not sure how much we'll see improvement if that's the goal if they still want to lose and they just but um we've got we've got a first fired coach so if you bet on the first coach being fired was Lou uh grab your payouts I'm sure a couple coaches are are no longer sweating it as much um coaches for other teams that are struggling so far this season but yeah, it's uh, you know, this is the NBA. We're gonna be crazy all the time, and obviously we've got the Cavs um, making a quick, quick move and, and, and going ahead and getting rid of Lou. But uh, we'll see how they progress. They've obviously been really bad, uh, borderline unwatchable for a while. Um, the other night they kind of were hanging with the Pistons before the Pistons kind of shot past them and, and beat them down pretty good in the end. Um, but I, th- you know, it was like a ten point game towards the end, but still. They don't look um, anything like they should look, or you would hope they would look. And so we've got uh, we've got a fired coach, and we'll see how they can move forward. If see if Kevin Love ends up being on the trading block, and they just kind of embrace the tank, or they actually want to kind of win and be competitive. But that's what we've got uh, for Tickle the Twine this week. Um, pretty pretty good start to the season. We're obviously going to have more and more as we go on. Try, try and get a uh, more written posts posts at the website uh, tickletwinemba.com. Hop over there. Um, pretty bare bones website, but you can listen to the podcast there. You can read some stuff. I'm trying to get get more post more often, but you know, uh, life can get hectic. I'm I'm in the middle of multiple life situations, planning a wedding um, amongst themselves, and kind of just trying to produce. But we're gonna have a special episode for you guys uh, next week. I do have my uh, I've got a bunch of friends coming in town. We're gonna do some fun. We'll probably cover the news for for about half the pod, and then do a fun hypothetical of some kind. So if you have any ideas on a cool hypothetical you'd like to see talked about hit us hit me up on twitter i took the twine mba uh let us know but uh thanks for listening uh rate review subscribe uh let the people know um uh if you'd like us spread us to your other mba junkie friends and i will talk to you next week